Hello, welcome to another episode of Affable Chat. My name is Benjamin, and I'm joined as always by my co-host Joey. Hey, how's it going? And today we're talking about Gattaca. The most unremarkable of events. Jerome Morrow, navigator first class, is about to embark on a one-year manned mission to Titan. 14th moon of Saturn. A highly prestigious assignment, although for Jerome, selection was virtually guaranteed at birth. He's blessed with all the gifts required for such an undertaking, a genetic quotient second to none. No, there is truly nothing remarkable about the progress of Jerome Morrow, except that I am not Jerome Morrow. Yes, this is a sci-fi movie. Directed by Andrew Nicole and produced by Danny DeVito, a surprising producer there, in my <laughs> yes, opinion. Let's see that for this, <laughs> uh, Among other producers, but felt like I should include that big name. Our cast includes Jude Law, Uma Thurman, Ethan Hawke, and Monk. I watched this movie on YouTube. Joey, how did you watch it? I watched it on Amazon Video. All right, Joey, hit us with that synopsis. Gattaca dares to ask. What if you could discriminate against white people? <laughs> yes, ladies and gentlemen, that's Gattaca. Let's get right into it with our pros. Joey, what did you like about this movie? I think this movie is really, really great. It's um, really interesting, engaging. It has this unique story. Um, it's becoming more and more relevant, which is a, a thing that makes me like it more. Um, the dialogue and the acting and the story structure is just perfect in my opinion and uh it deals with one of my favorite themes in media which is the futility of determinism yeah i also like this movie based on the premise uh kind of black mirror premise i don't like saying that because black mirror definitely came after this and black mirror you can, is, say, you can say twilight zone e that twilight yeah, zone ish right okay and that's probably more accurate and uh because i mean it's the same thing right it's this what if kind of scenario and seeing how the world changes when you just make this one small sci-fi change to it, yeah. uh, which I think is really cool. Uh, th there's a very consistent art direction with this movie, which I think adds a lot to the immersion. You really feel you, like you're in this alternate like near future because uh, like not only are there things that are uh, literally different as far as like uh, scientific advances that have been made but it also the world is kind of tinted and uh, I think that is a really cool aspect to bring to the movie um, stylistically there's uh, it brings up interesting questions about human potential and discrimination that I think are definitely worth talking about um, and it has top tier dramatic suspense oh there's my gosh yes <laughs> My heart was racing so much through this movie um, for multiple reasons, but one of the main reasons was how suspenseful it was where you're like, oh, no, he's going to get caught or they're going to figure him out. You oh, know? no, and he's climbing the stairs. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he's climbing the stairs. Like, they make the most mundane things so exciting. It is, and I, 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 that's a good way to put it because it's not like people getting shot at or jumping off of buildings, right? It's all dramatic suspense, and I really like that. Also, Jude Law's acting, he stands... Head and shoulders above the other good actors. <laughs> That's a terrible pun. <laughs> yeah, but it, he's great. He's absolutely amazing. Um, especially, yeah. Um, actually, I just thought of this now too. Is that um, y have you heard about Brian Cranston taking flack for playing a uh, someone who's disabled in that movie? That's really, coming he's up? taking flack. 
for that? Yeah, people. Well, yeah, because people are criticizing him for taking that role when someone who's actually disabled could have done that role. Um, right. And we can get in. I think that maybe we can return to that or not because it's kind of a loaded question. But um, I think Jude Law is just fantastic. I I also agree. I love Jude Law. All right. Let's um. So what did what did what didn't you like about this? Okay. Movie? Um. Honestly, I don't know if it was just if I was had a little bit too much coffee before I watched this movie, but I, I did feel myself getting bored at times, especially towards the end where it became more and more clear that things were going to turn out all right, um, where the maybe it wasn't quite as dramatic. But I'm really kind of reaching. I, I For the most part, I was definitely in, engaged in, how, uh, in suspense, but I think towards the end, once you knew what was going to happen or you could at least see the ending, it got a little bit boring for me. Don't want to say it's a boring movie, just at times. Um, I wasn't convinced that the love story was all that necessary. I do think that there are th- the lessons to be learned through that uh, love story because we get uh, Uma, Thurma's, uh, Uma Thurman's character, Irene, who is a valid, but you know, you, we learn more about valids. They're not all perfect. She yeah. has her own problems that set her kind of also makes her feel like an other in this situation. So I, I think it's still valuable in a sense. I just, again, it does feel a little bit shoehorned in, in my opinion. And also, there's way too much blood in this movie. Come on! <laughs> I I am so squeamish about needles and drawing blood. And, like, I regularly give blood for the blood bank. And uh, every time it's agonizing. Not because it hurts, but it's just something about the idea of just sucking out your blood just gets me. And th- this movie had it happening. Every ten minutes. So yeah, there's a lot of blood drawing. <laughs> that for me is a con. <laughs> Lots of needles entering arms. Oh god, yeah. So that was a big con for me. What about you? <laughs> um, I it was I had a hard time coming with any. I think the maybe the technology was a little dated. Um, so like it doesn't feel as relevant as a future. Although I think the concepts it brings up are pretty relevant. Um, also like the takeaway I take from this movie. Uh, feels like the opposite of what they want my takeaway to be. Like they, I feel like they want to say, "Oh, you know, human potential is unlimited. It doesn't matter what your genetic, what your birth is. You can do anything." Um, but I feel like taking away from this movie, it's like, if designer babies existed, I would definitely have to get a designer baby. Like that's just the only option. Mm, okay, and we'll we'll get into that uh, when we get deeper into our overall section, which we'll start right now. So. <coughs> For me, Gattaca is a nightmarish future where everyone is always asking for your blood and urine samples. <laughs> <laughs> and also, you can genetically engineer babies, but mostly people are asking for your blood <laughs> so and Because urine. they want to know what you're made of. <laughs> That's way too much, especially like there. it's like every day. It's like, goodness gracious. Um, but really, Gattaca for me is a story of two men. Uh, Vincent and Jerome. Vincent was born naturally. He was expected to be a failure. His genetic makeup vastly inferior to his genetically engineered peers. Jerome is one of these genetically engineered peers, and he's destined for greatness, specifically at swimming. Uh, (laughs) What makes these men interesting is their knowledge of their expected futures and how they deal with those circumstances. Society has such a firm belief in the predictions made by the genetic makeup of babies that they act as if their fate is written in stone. However, Vincent and Jerome find out this is not the case. Coincidentally, they both discover this through swimming. Vincent realizes he's capable of more than expected because he bests his genetically superior brother in a game of chicken, swimming chicken, uh, 
while Jerome discovers he's not the best, not all that he was uh, expected to be when he earns a silver medal in, sw- in a swimming competition that he was favored to win. Vincent takes this lesson and decides he's going to go to space no matter what the obstacles uh, are that get in his way, and there are a lot of them. Um, and in the end, we learn that effort, determination, sheer will, and a little bit of luck uh, are the true <laughs> deciders of our fate. Predictions be damned. Um, and, and also, I mean, mainly the story focuses on Vincent's story, so I think that's the main takeaway from that. Uh, Jerome, I think he finds new meaning for his life once he kind of gains the perspective of somebody else who's in a different situation. But I don't feel like the movie really focuses that hard on that aspect. Um, Jerome ends up killing himself, and I we can talk about that a little bit later. But I think the true problem in Gattaca is, uh, and I and by that I mean like the conflict is not that babies are genetically engineered. I don't necessarily think that that's a huge problem, or at least this movie doesn't necessarily make the case. I think it's that people are investing way too much stock in these genetic predictions and not focusing enough on development and intangibles. Uh, you. The movie gives the opera. I think one of the things that the movie does a good job of uh, is showing us what it's like to be openly discriminated against. We get this is so starkly obvious with the job interview where he fakes his it's it, yeah job interview with big quotations around it because yeah it's not really a job interview. It's just a genetic test, and that's like wow, really? That's the that now I'm qualified because of my gen- genetic makeup. Um, but you also get a hopeful message about perseverance and proving that you can do anything you set your mind to, even if everyone says that you can't. Yeah, um, I agree with all that stuff. I, but I think it goes, I think there's a little bit deeper level to this too. And I, we were talking on another podcast about how some, some movies kind of force you into engage with the premise. I don't really think this movie, um, I think this movie does encourage you to do that, but I don't think it, it is only... A premise driven movie. I think there's a lot of really beautiful shots, some really great visual motifs and callbacks that are just kind of come back and forth and are used in really, really nice ways. Um, and like from the very beginning, you see the detail that Vincent goes through to thoroughly convince the world that he's actually Jerome, and that's all visual. Um, and there's all these really great, just kind of implied, uh, you know, shots through just juxtaposition that's really nice i uh, i love the opening kind of sequence where you're you're not, you're not sure what you're looking at really you see yeah. things falling and i mean i d- didn't know anything about this movie but i was like are those fingernails like is that hair like, you can't really tell yeah uh, which is it's really uh intriguing that whole process of discovery through like the first 30 minutes of the movie is really satisfying it really really is and i think that's kind of what makes this movie really exceptional is that it tells the story about this this interesting and kind of you know, different world, dystopian future, but it's through one person's perspective. It shows us the world, but the story is about one guy and his struggle to achieve his dreams despite every obstacle. And it's truly a story about determination and drive and the mysterious ability of humans to overcome and outperform their genetic programming. But, I mean, that's only sold through the performances. All the performances from all the actors are just really exceptional. You kind of see their quiet, reserved pain as they are resigned to live the lives that they're, like, that was decided for them. Each brings a new dimension to this world um, and shows how discrimination really benefits nobody. Right. It's uh, it, it's it's supposed to be a solution to a lot of their problems, namely diseases, um, which I think it. I mean, it does, but it uh, people put too much faith into it, and that's. Um, I, mean, I don't know, frust- though. That's the thing. That's okay. <laughs> I'm going to save that because I think you're wrong. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. Um. Uh- 
yeah, the last thing I want to touch on is like, however, when they when they show Vincent succeeding, right? But they also show him how show how hard he works and how he works harder than anyone else in the movie, anyone else at Gattaca. And there's it just kind of really sh- a hammer's thrown the sheer impossibility of living in a world like this. When you finish the movie. I'm left with just one conclusion. If I lived in this world, I would have to make sure that my kids were valids. I can't afford to give my kids a disability. You know, once designer babies are on the market, you kind of have no choice other than to go with it. Because otherwise you're, you know, look at all the things that he goes through. Like he can't get into like that special school because he doesn't have the right genetic makeup. You know, and then there's probably that throughout his whole life, going into college. And then, of course, the job interview and stuff, you know. The only jobs he can get are cleaning things, you know, being janitorial staff. Right, right. And you see how the valids are, li- like, rounded up and, or invalids are rounded up and, like, lined up in the street and everything. They're just treated as second-class citizens throughout. And it's, you know, it's not their decision, but that's just the way things are. Yeah, but I don't know. Is this really a free market that they exist in? Because I feel like there's you could get a lot of potential out of invalids uh, and, and who are not being utilized. Um, I don't. I guess I would have to know more about this world. But there's so many examples, especially in sports, where you don't necessarily have the uh, tangibles that are needed. But it's more than just your genetic buildup. It's how you use your talents um, that sets people apart. Uh, I mean, look at Tom Brady. Tom, if you if you look at Tom Brady, who's playing in a Super Bowl coming up, um, he. If you look at the way he looked coming out of college. He does not look like a football player. He looks hilariously out of shape in his uh, <laughs> in his uh, photos that they took at his combine, which is where they do all this uh, measurables. They get your height, your your you know your arms, your, how fast you run the forty, all that stuff, all the things that you can put on a spreadsheet and say this guy has more potential than this guy based on these measurables. But Tom Brady is almost the definition of intangibles because he works harder than everybody else. He he prepares longer. He is you know he has ice cold veins when it matters the most. Um, and I, I think that for the society to totally overlook things like that, um, I think is, uh, they're greatly oversimplifying human potential. Like, I think it's a gross miscalculation by the, whoever's in charge to be like, okay, just because you're not genetically engineered, you're, you can't possibly do anything but clean toilets. Yeah. Okay. But the i mean you're right obviously but i think the argument that they're that they're making is that like we can't even compare people today to people that would be genetically engineered so you know something somebody like tom brady for example is like you know at the top level of what we are capable of today but imagine if you could put out people that were just as capable as him but were like stronger faster smarter like if you could rewrite the code to make your people just perfect in every way, every single like aspect of you is is better. I mean, I don't know if there's a gene for hard work, but if there was, why wouldn't you put that in? You know? Yeah. Like, yeah. You, there's there's so much that you could. It's so there's so much potential in genetic engineering that it's almost impossible to see all the things that are po- that are possible. There's yes. So many th- ways that you could like rewrite the way people think the way people act that it's hard to see just how much of a monumental change or what it would almost see a different species of person if you were genetically engineered yeah i think that this movie does a good job of um kind of 
presenting the idea of genetic uh, engineering in this movie without being too specific about it because um, it's in the not too distant future. So you're like, okay, it's mostly the same, and, but only some things have changed. So right, we don't know. They, they don't put like a hard line on like these people are, you know, these are the specific things that they're better at because they're genetically engineered. They're just viewed as in all ways better, which I think helps to drive home the message here uh, in, and not get caught up in the spe- like the specificity of it, right? Like it's, Yeah, but there's also, they also have the example of that uh, piano player with the 12 fingers, right? And how he would, like he was genetically engineered from birth to be a piano player. Ex- right. Uh, exactly. And I mean, one of the things I think is interesting about Vincent is that he, uh, when the, when you first uh, see him in like the hospital, wherever when he's first born, they get, they give him a diagnosis of uh, kind of a good diagnosis of having ADHD, I think. Yes. And that I think that uh, benefits him a lot in his job and also his extreme like attention to detail that he has to go through in order to become a borrowed ladder right in order to take over jerome's life he has to have that level of detail and control over his own life and maybe his imperfection actually helps with that yeah i mean that that's actually a really good point it, it, it i think it was like 89 percent chance or something or something really something high like that yeah it was like the second highest thing outside of what was like heart disease when he uh yeah his heart disease heart condition or something that was going to make him lit die when he was 30 yeah yeah so he's um i don't know i i do like that again it's like instead of telling us exactly what makes them better they show us through example uh with the pianist is a really good example of that um having the extra fingers but i was thinking about that too um would you really attend a a concert like that to see a pianist who is more or less programmed to do that it's like almost sitting down and listening to one of those pianos that has like the uh, like the player pianos. The player pianos, right? You're like, would you really sit down and watch that and clap for that? Maybe, but at the same well, time, he's it- still trained his whole life for it, you know. And he's doing something that no one else could do. I there is a certain aspect of it that is novelty for sure. Uh huh. But the the thing that's kind of reinforced in this movie is that the people who are valids love that they're valids and they're constantly reminding themselves that they are valids like the blood samples at at uh at gattaca like to, to get in whatever is such a like oh remember that you're better than everyone else thing ah uh, dude i would not i would not i be would able never to work do that place. you know how bad pricking your when you get your blood drawn pricking your finger is the worst part it that's hurts. the part that hurts the most yeah uh, i mean every day no way yeah, no way <laughs> I would be I would be putting on a fake like finger cover that of has my own, own blood. blood. <laughs> yeah, just so I wouldn't have to feel that. Although, guess what I have to do to get that blood? I'd have to prick myself. I would not survive in this near future uh world because there's way too much blood involved. I think I've already established that, but I still think it's worth reinforcing how badly well, I would do it. Well, maybe that could be something that you could uh you know, you could genetically engineer out of somebody is squeamishness okay yeah no you're making a good case for that (laughs) because it's something that holds me back dramatically uh (laughs) but it's i I mean let me i'm just gonna go back to sports again and with the cliches here because sports if if sports don't uh echo some of the themes of this i mean sports echo some of the themes of this movie all the time um one of the are uh 
stereotypical sayings, cliches with sports is uh, hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard or something to that effect. Um, and I think that that's a big part of what this movie kind of drives home more on the side of hard work beats you know anything uh because yeah. i don't i don't think they're really making the case that much that the talent isn't working hard because it looks like the other people at gattaca are still having to work hard to be there um but it's just you know he's working hard enough that he can be there with him yeah and i i really like that theme i like that every time i see it the what did i call it um f- the futility of determinism uh, basically uh determination over talent right having like doing something because you're so determined to do it, having the will to do something over just having the sheer ability to do it. But I mean, I mean, this comes back down to it of like, could you engineer someone to be a hard worker? Could you engineer someone to have a lot of talent in a certain area? Right. I, I mean, I guess they uh, like, and like, even in that one thing you just said, right? Like hard work beats talent that doesn't work hard. Yeah. It's like, well, what happens when talent works hard? <laughs> right. Right. I mean, it did sound like Are they he untouchable. Was- yeah they definitely have an advantage um but there's also just like uh fate you know like there's certain things you can't control even though you may be wholly prepared for it um there's other forces out in the universe than just your genetics um even if your genetics can be really really influenced as like we're saying we're uh saying maybe they could um nothing is set in stone that's true so you might as well just try your best (laughs) anything could happen yeah i i think that's I mean, because of that great unifier in that way, like there's so much that you could do with that. But still, it's it's not like a, um, you know, it's not fair. It's not something that's dished out evenly. Right, right. So. And I mean, and it's applicable in real life, even though we don't have this genetic stuff. You know, people, there's so many ways to define yourself and ex, like your expectations for your life. You know, it's like, oh, you you didn't go to college. You can't do anything or you, you're from this state. You'll never accomplish anything. Um, yeah. Even though well, I think it's interesting about this movie is that, I mean, it's, I think it's becoming more and more relevant because of like gene editing has become more and more. Uh, come easier and easier but i think when they were making this movie it was really a story about discrimination really a story about like how you know discriminating because of race or sex doesn't it actually benefits nobody right and how when you look through the world through the, that kind of lens um it's uh harmful even to yourself i totally agree okay do you want to move on to our easter eggs yeah yeah what you got okay i got a bunch of them first of all did you how, how much do you know about genetics? <laughs> how much do you remember from biology? <laughs> Almost nothing. I oh, was perfect. Horrible then. At I, can, biology. I, then I can blow your mind. Are you ready? So, <laughs> in, in when you have DNA, right? DNA is like that double helix thing, and it's got it's like rungs on, like on a ladder, right? Those yes. rungs are um, made up of these special like chemicals or proteins or something, and each of them have a different name. Um, and I have them here: uh, adenine. Uh, guanine, cytosine, and thymine. And each of them are represented by a letter, A, G, C, and T. Now, the name of the movie and the name of the company, Gattaca, is only made up of um, these letters, G, A, C, and T. Right. And in the, uh, in the credits, too, you, when the movie's starting, whatever, it just shows the A's, C's, T's, and G's of the names, and then it eventually falls in. It's kind of implying that, like, you're only made up of these letters. You know? oh. You're only made up of your genes. Oh. 
that is cool. I noticed that, that the letters were like the only ones showing up, but I was like, oh, it's just the letters from the title. Gotta go. But I, I, I didn't know. Well, that is it because that's, it's because of that. Yes. Okay. All right. I like that. I, I did. I mean, just while we're talking about this, I did really like the opening sequence. I thought, I and mean, we kind of discussed it before with the fingernails and stuff, but, um, it's, this movie is so, it, um, it's so mysterious and it like it's so dramatic. Um, yeah. it, it, like the best parts of the movies are really like revelations and uh, learning more about the world that you're in. Um, so, and I think that they get it started off tremendously. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I mean, maybe there's an implication there of like these small things that don't matter. These things that you shed off every day um, are really the most important things. The things that can screw you, the things that are, you need to be, watching out for well i um i look at it as uh how much we need like the tiny little organisms that eat our like dead skin flakes and hairs yeah because if we didn't have them we would be up to our knees in like dead skin (laughs) (laughs) that's gross (laughs) right so thank you microscopic i know we have a lot of microscopic listeners of affable chat who download (laughs) so this is is a shout out to you guys we appreciate you for eating our skin flakes thank you (laughs) Don't get enough credit. <laughs> um, okay, there's this other thing that uh, I just like to bring up every time I see Jude Law and everything. Um, and that is... So, okay, how do you feel... Like, how do you think Jude Law and Uma Thurman feel about being cast in this movie? Where they're like, hey, we have a movie about uh, a future where people are genetically engineered to be perfect. And we want you to play some of those perfect people. <laughs> That must be, yeah, that's the height of praise right there. Yeah, but this isn't the first time that Jude Law has been cast as something perfect. Um, In the movie AI, which is a Steven Spielberg movie written by uh, Stanley Kubrick, uh, he plays a sex, like a sex robot. He's like a prostitute. Um, And he looks, of course, he's Jude Law. And of course, you want your sex robots to look as perfect as possible. So you design them to look like Jude Law. (laughs) In the movie, uh, The Talented Mr. Ripley, which is a Matt Damon movie where Matt Damon plays um, a really scary guy. Uh, It's a really good movie. Um, The person that he's trying to take over somebody's life and the person's life he's trying to take over is Jude Law's because his life is so perfect. So, <laughs> yeah. Jude Law is perfect. If you need a perfect actor, cast Jude Law. Nice. Yeah, I. Uh, that is a good point because he was great in this movie. He definitely carried that air of like elite society. Yeah. Even when he like, I guess, was cast out of that society for his injury. Well, even when he was like in a wheelchair, drunk and suicidal, <laughs> he's still like, I'm better than you. <laughs> he's yeah. His performance is just Im- Im- like immaculate. I I. There are certain actors where it doesn't matter what they're doing. They're just fun to look at. And that's definitely Jude Law in this movie. I love <laughs> it. He's great. Yeah, I really like him. Um, I don't know if you noticed this, but the staircase in the, uh, um, in the house is uh, Double Helix. It's, um, they, they really do push really hard on that. And now <laughs> I'm seeing it more like specifically DNA. But they even, I, I didn't look at the cover of this movie until after. And there's the staircase right there. And then yeah. it's even got like little orbs on it. Like kind of, it, it <laughs> looks like, yeah, you, you get that they're going for DNA. But it's really cool. I, I like that. Yeah, I like that too. It's what a thing to have in your place if you're, if you have a wheelchair though. It's like. <laughs> <laughs> right though. <laughs> really though. <laughs> Okay, last one I got is um, this it's called um, Esperanto. You might be more familiar with this than I am. Have you ever heard of this, Esperanto? It sounds you know like a this? word in Spanish, but I don't know what it means. It's a, it's a, uh, it's a constructed language that came about um, in the late 1800s. Okay. Uh, basically, it's 
it was meant to be a, or it was hoped to be used as a universal language that connects everything. It's supposed to be really easy and very intuitive to learn, very easy to, to pronounce. All the words are um, entirely uh, phonetic. All the pronunciation is totally phonetic. There's no like silent characters or anything. Um, and I think it's supposed to be really, really easy to write in as well. Okay. And it has roots in French, Italian, and English. And um, it, I, I wouldn't have picked this up because I can't speak the language and I barely know anything about it. But in the subtitles, they say in Esperanto, and they have the uh, PA system, the person speaks in it, which is kind of like, oh, in this a future that's so perfect, we speak in this language that connects all cultures. Okay. So, wow. That's cool. That is, that's okay. See, and, and that is a true Easter egg right there because that's very much in the background. But um, I do like that. And I wish. I supremely wish that the English language was more um, intuitive. Is it so many? There's, I mean, that's a whole other conversation. So many, so many rules. <laughs> okay, okay. The one, the, this is what kills me every time. You know that I before E rule? Yeah. There are more words that don't follow that rule than do follow that rule. <laughs> yeah. What is that? <laughs> yeah, th that's not a rule then. That's by definition not even a rule. <laughs> no, it's not. It's, yeah, there's so many problems with the English language. I actually was listening to a story, I think it was on NPR about this, and uh, they're talking about at school, you like letting students use uh, like a spell checker, and there's like two schools of thought on it. There's like the ones who are like, no, never use a spell checker, learn it on your own, that way you don't have to be assisted by it. But then there's other people like more towards college and like the career, uh, preparing you for your career who are like, uh, yeah, Learn how to use a word processor. Learn how to reference things quickly because there's no job that's going to be like, sorry, you can't use a spell checker on this email. Um, you know, obviously they want you just to get it right. So, yeah. uh, and and personally, that's how I do it. When I text, whenever I'm, you know, doing anything with uh, like emails, anything like that, posting on Twitter, I will Google it if I have to, uh, but I'm going to try to get it spelled right. And I don't necessarily think that hinders me uh in my ability to spell things but it's definitely i think it's definitely necessary if you want to be right most of the time because it's english language is confusing yes and um if <laughs> i apologize to anyone who has texted me in the last you know 10 years <laughs> sorry for all the spelling errors uh, just <laughs> inherent in my fat thumbs it's actually one of the things like growing up i was really bad at spelling like spelling tests were always the death of me um and the way i studied for them was i would just write the word like a bunch of times you know yeah you just have to memorize which is which yeah kind of I, bullshit. yeah i didn't think that that was really all that useful um so it's nice to let that in our not so distant future from my childhood like word processing is pretty commonplace everywhere so i don't have to worry about being good at spelling so ha, ha. In, your, in your face miss <laughs> knee house <laughs> Just kidding, dude. Teachers are dope. If you're a teacher and listening to the podcast, you're you're doing a good thing and you deserve to be paid more. Um, all right. Let's move on to our quotable moments. Unless you had any other Easter eggs, Joey. No, I have I have cracked open all of my Easter eggs and poured them all over myself. <laughs> yeah, yay! <laughs> um okay, quotable moments. And I have the first one. For the genetically superior, success is easier to attain, but it is by no means guaranteed. After all, there is no gene for fate. And when, for one reason or another, a member of the elite falls on hard times, their genetic identity becomes a valued commodity for the unscrupulous. One man's loss is another man's gain. So I, I just think this is important because it's them literally spelling it out for you. There is no gene for fate. There is uh, opportunity for success or failure, no matter what your origin is uh even in this world where it's almost certain what your origin what your fate is based on your genetics 
Um, and also, b- good u- good use of the word unscrupulous. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the guy they hired for this is um, Tony Shalhoub, who is uh, f- famously played Monk. I like him a lot. Great actor. Yeah, I mean... <sighs> It's an interesting part of the society, these like underground guys who give the invalids uh or invalids a opportunity to move up and then like they create this symbiotic relationship between Yeah. which I thought was really cool. I mean, obvious at this point it's obvious how much I enjoyed Jude Law's performance, but I also kind of liked the relationship that the two of them had. They were kind of reliant on each other, you know, Jude Law needed uh Vincent, or rather, I should call him his name. Uh, Eugene needed uh, Vincent slash Jerome to uh, keep his cool when things were getting tough, and they kind of were there for each other. And they, I loved the the line where he was like, "We need to get drunk immediately," um, <laughs> <laughs> because they were celebrating that he was going to go to space. So uh, that was cool. I really liked that kind of uh, relationship, and this was at the origin of that. Yeah, that was cool. I liked that a lot. Speaking of that relationship, here's my next quote. Jerome never questioned my commitment again. I took my mind off the pain by reminding myself that when I eventually did stand up, I'd be exactly two inches closer to the stars. I I just think this is a really good example of the incredible like dialogue and uh, narration in this movie. I like this is such a cool I like way of linking everything back together to this idea of determination of how um, Ethan Hawke's character. Uh, Vincent is just so determined that he's he's literally willing to do anything. He's willing to have his legs like um, operated on and like made two inches taller just to better convince people that he is who he says he is, which is so like so crazy. I mean, I mean, getting kicked in the the shin is the worst, but like imagine having like you know, it's so sensitive. (laughs) No, seriously, I've heard about this surgery before because apparently it's something. I think it's some Asian countries where like people are more predisposed to being shorter and it's like a status kind of thing to become taller. So people will do this surgery and it's apparently incredibly painful. Um, And I, it's just, it's one of the great injustices of uh, like human society is like when it's like being taller is better in a lot of cases. And it's like, Oh, good thing. No one chooses their height. You know, it's like you can't go to the gym and work out and become taller. You know, it's it's totally. There's some tall people who disagree with you. Yes, there's, no. there's some people people who are just a little too tall, and then they get like that's the first thing anyone ever says to them. It's like, wow, you're tall. Right. How's yeah. the weather up there? Yeah, how's the weather up there? <laughs> Did you play basketball? Yeah, I'm not saying it's perfect, but I think that um the, those be, like those, it's a, it is a valued like trait being tall. Yeah. Well, and I would even just say it's like. Um, people use shortness almost like a, a pejorative where they, you don't want, you know what I'm saying? Like if you greeted somebody and you're like, big man, what's up, big man? You know, like that's, mm-hmm. that's being friendly. And that's nice. Um, even if somebody might feel like they're too big, at least the intention is clearly not, uh, to insult them where if somebody is below average height and you're like, what's up little guy, that's, it's like, okay, uh. don't call me little <laughs> guy. Right. Um, yeah. which sucks. Uh, as a, like I, I was a late bloomer growing up. I did not hit puberty until well into high school and so i was shorter than my peers for a really long time and i was used to that kind of being that member of society where people were like oh look how small you are like, it, like <laughs> yeah that was the same way for me 
Actually, this reminds me, there was a guy, Ben Capel, in uh, one of my classes, the other Ben. And because um, I was obviously I was the other Ben, too. And uh, he, he wore a backpacking backpack to school. And uh, in ninth grade, I we teamed up to see if I could fit in his backpacking backpack. And he could carry me around because he was big. He was a, like a bigger guy. Um, what? <laughs> so that's how small I was. And um, so now you got into a Ben pack. Yes. <laughs> me. I, I always try to team up with other Bens at, whenever I get a chance. Bens, Benjamins, uh, even like Bennetts or Benedicts. I, we're all. Hmm. It's kind of a fraternity thing. R slash Ben is really where the where that all comes to meet. But. Um, as a person who was like on the shorter end of the spectrum for so long, I still identify with those people. Even now that I'm more average height, um, or I'm 5'11", so I'm like just above the median height. Um, I think that people shouldn't, you shouldn't hold shortness against people. Um, and obviously doing this kind of, (laughs) you are standing up for the short people who can't stand up for themselves. They can stand up for themselves. (laughs) They're not tall enough. But but I think some people just, they just they don't see or they don't know what it's like to be short so they think they're so original making short jokes and it's like okay dude no first off you're not original every short person has heard all of the short jokes and uh and also dude don't don't say that because you're a jerk you know like saying that is like a bad yeah. thing to do so i'm getting way off topic here um what i was trying to say uh is basically that this uh surgery is a real thing and it's awful so he really went all the way (laughs) yeah so you really did go all the way and you are again you're proving that you would not survive in this society that's based entirely on perfection like you know all these things so you're just, I, you're just too apologetic for everyone. <laughs> I, I, uh, no, they shouldn't have to apologize for being short. It's, uh, <laughs> it's, I just yeah. mean you're defending them. <laughs> yes. I think that people's, yeah, differences is uniquenesses, not problems. Um, yeah. But okay. Uh, next quote. As we push out further and further, yet you still closely monitor performance. We have to ensure that people are meeting their potential. And exceeding it. No one exceeds his potential. If he did? It would simply mean that we did not accurately gauge his potential in the first place. So, yeah, first off, (laughs) the heartbeats in the background of this part is one of the great examples of the uh, dramatic suspense that this movie has. I mean heartbeats are a very common way to do this but like during this my heart started racing too i was like oh, oh gosh yeah. why am i feeling so anxious you know like is I it because the treadmills didn't have any uh handrails <laughs> in the future we, we don't need handrails but um we have perfect balance we yeah. have genetically engineered perfect balance in everyone <laughs> if you fall off the treadmill you get fired <laughs> <laughs> immediately <laughs> like imperfect get out of here um but yeah so that was good i like the heartbeats but also just exactly what they're saying here is that um it's like nobody exceeds their potential uh if they do we're not accurately gauging their potential and i i think that's totally right um but it's also clear that because they have vincent in here that this whole using genetics alone to gauge people's potential is flawed because he's in there you know despite all those measurements so um yeah well i mean that's the thing that that makes this movie like the ending of this movie so so great is that there's all these examples um of how people don't fit into the mold that they were supposed to fit into right yeah like the, the the really good example is this police investigation they find that the uh the dna of an invalid and they automatically assume that he must be the one who committed the murder because 
one, he's a second class citizen. Second of all, only invalids are really capable of such violence. You won't find right? a single violent bone in my body. But, she, but he's the guy who freaking murdered. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> so, like, you know, that's, that's the thing. It's like, he is the, he is saying, like, there's this implication that valids are better than, you know, invalids. So the valids are incapable of regular human emotion. Um, and, you know, you, you, he doesn't have the potential for violence, but clearly he does. Right, right. Uh, which is another, I guess, shining light on some of the things that you can and cannot uh, engineer. Right, so I, I disagree like, with this. No one exceeds their potential. I, there's an obvious reason that Anton asked this question, right? Because he saw an invalid outlive, out, um, you know, exceed his potential, you know, outperform himself, right. who is a, a valid. Um, and throughout the movie, you see Anton kind of being this... Um, he doesn't go along with the discrimination as much as the other people do. He is much more sympathetic toward the valids, and he he seems to want to help Vincent almost more than he wants to like hunt him down. Yeah, um, he, he criticizes the detective's methods of finding yeah. the invalid by just rounding up random invalids. It's like, you know, d that's way too simple, and you're it's because of the way that guy looks at. It. He's like, it has to be an invalid. Let's just go through the invalids. Exactly. Exactly. Okay, my next quote. But we do have one thing in common. Only I don't have 20 or 30 years left in mine. Mine is already 10,000 beats overdue. It's not possible. You are the authority on what is not possible. Aren't you, Irene? They have got you looking so hard for any flaw that after a while, that's all that you see. This, I love this quote. I think this is so interesting. Um, because they talk about the burden of perfection in this movie, about how Jerome is under the burden of perfection and how discrimination works both ways, about how the valids, like if they don't meet their potential, there's some sort of strange failure. Um, you know, they have all this weight on them. And because everyone is genetically engineered to be perfect, all the only thing that makes them different, the only thing that makes them unique is the things that make them bad. And in a world in which we are all, we all know we are all flawed, we all know that we don't aren't perfect what we look for in other people and you know what we look for in you know potential partners or friends is the good things the things that you know they chose to make good it's going back to our um clockwork orange episode you know they they ch people who choose to be good are so much better than people that are genetically engineered to be good okay yeah right I don't know. I like this a lot. It's like it's putting it. It's putting the whole thing on its head. It's saying like, "Oh, look, we've we've created this burden of perfection on everyone, and now as soon as you don't meet that, you're suddenly you know lesser than." Yeah. When it, in in like uh, the world we live in now, it's when people exceed what anyone else does. That's so much better. It's it's not part of their programming. It's not because they're genetically superior. It's because they're great, and we should award and you know support that. Yeah, I like that too. It, it's like. Uh, by us all being imperfect, the things are our, our positive attributes are the thing that can stick out. Where if exactly. everything about you is positive and you have one negative thing, that's the only thing that makes you unique. It's a much bleaker outlook on what makes you oh, yeah. you. You know. Um, so yeah, it is. And and this is this line. I think is what justifies the relationship with Irene. Uh, is having her uh, be this. Like, because, I mean, the example, you, you get kind of a similar example with Jerome and his whole not being the best swimmer here. Um, but this is right. a more nuanced, I think, uh, look at it by learning more about Irene, who appears to be just as perfect as everybody else. But you find out she's not. Um, but that shouldn't, yeah. you know, 
he should he uh I, I mean, it's also a really good, like, love symbol where they're like, oops, the wind caught it, you know? They're like, it doesn't matter to me. Yes, that was, that was a really good, you know, moment. Especially since, like, she kind of supports this discrimination idea throughout the movie, right? She right. She's, goes to that, that booth and whatever and, and gives him their hair, her hair. And it's almost like she's reluctant to do it, but she feels like she has to. She has to know what this is, you know? And when, she, when, he, when he proves that, like, you know, he doesn't care what she's made of. You know, you look you look pretty great from where you're where I'm standing right here. You know, like I don't I can't see what's inside you. I can only see what's in front of me, and that's how I'm gonna judge you. That's like, you know, that was groundbreaking for her, and to see that kind of play out, it kind of gave her hope that she could, you know, perhaps outlive her own potential. Yeah, I don't know, I I really I liked having the relationship with Irene because it gave this whole new perspective on this because it showed how much she, like. How much, how much she was a product of her own environment and how uh, even someone like that was willing to question it if, you know, it was um, for a positive outlook on life. It's, um, yeah, you're kind of changing my mind about this too because I hadn't thought of it as, um, it, it, it's, it, they kind of show like this love, this relationship as kind of a leap of faith. It's yeah. uh, diving in, committing without having a uh, set outcome, without knowing exactly how this is going to turn out. Um, Which is a good, like a big theme in this movie is that leap of faith. Yeah, it's it's a beautiful thing. It's, you know, um, it's swimming uh, as hard as you can without worrying about saving up enough energy to get back. Um, yeah. Which I think is it's about crossing the street without being able to see anything. <laughs> Yeah, um, you know, it's like being bold, and I like that. And and you know what, I I, I think that that does justify the relationship because it it it's your, you know, it, it is exactly what we just said. It's diving into this relationship without knowing, without having a measurable way to say yes, this will certainly turn out uh, exactly how I want it to. Which is yeah, beautiful. I mean, there's that quote. There's a quote from uh, that Vincent says well, when he's laying on the table, right? And uh, Eugene asks him, "How are you going to pull this off?" And he says, "I don't know exactly." He just knows he's going to try. Yeah. It's good. Okay. Really good. Um, all right. We got one more, and it's this one right here. For someone who was never meant for this world, I must confess, I'm suddenly having a hard time leaving it. Of course, they say every atom in our bodies was once part of a star. Maybe I'm not leaving. Maybe I'm going home. So I think that this is kind of poetic, but I would love to break it down so that I could so I can understand it more fully. Um, okay. This whole like moment is very cathartic. It's it's the goal throughout the whole movie. It's can we fool the system long enough to send our man to space? Um, which I think, even though there's they, they everyone in this world seems pretty blind to an invalid being capable of anything beyond their expectations, I think going to space, coming back, even if they discover it after that, it's like, look what I've done here. Yeah. You have to treat me like a valid yeah. now, you know? Yeah. Uh, like, this is, they can't send him back, you know, it's a mission, so they're going to do what they already set out to do. But I want to discuss some of the things around it and see if I can understand that. Now, the first thing he does before he says this is he opens up the letter from Eugene, and it has a lock of allegedly Eugene's hair in there. I don't know how he would have gotten anyone else's hair. What What does that mean? What's that about? I'm not really sure. I was thinking about that, too, because it it flashes back to Eugene. He's in there. Obviously, he can't, like, write him a note that says, like, oh, by the way, like, 
your borrowed ladder's gone. You know, it can't be very explicit because what if he gets caught or something? So okay, yeah. Um, it could. I don't know. I I assume it has to do with like maybe he's using. Maybe it's like another way of saying here I am or something, or you're taking me with you. Um. I don't know. I don't know what that means. Because, I mean, what I get from all this, especially the part where when the rocket ignites, the furnace also ignites and, you know, burns him up and and now he's gone, Um, which was a beautiful shot, by the way, too, because you get the the, how heavy that like what what you understand the decision he's made to end his own life. But it's not like. Uh, it's kind of beautiful the way that they show it because it's the it's the rocket flames that you actually see um, from instead of him burning in the furnace so it's I I really the art direction again superb Um, yeah it's really really amazing but I'm not exactly sure like this specific quote it's still like like continuing on where he says like I must confess I'm suddenly having a hard time leaving it like talking about this the world because the whole movie it seems like he really doesn't like the world that he exists in he's always working so hard to defy it um and i kind of get he's like oh but i'm in a relationship now so i don't want to go away for a year but it's just a year dude come on like this is kind of <laughs> melodramatic to be like oh you know uh, i'm in love like maybe i shouldn't go you obviously well, have i don't to know it's like it's just it's just this kind of like ironic feeling of like like i like i hate this place i never want to be here i want to be out of here and then suddenly having that feeling of like nostalgia or like that you're gonna miss it um, that's in uh, you know, like going back to a clockwork orange he says that too when he gets out of jail he like he says he kind of <laughs> yeah. felt bad or like he missed the jail as he was leaving it he's like because just like any place you come accustomed to being in you're gonna miss it right a little you become bit. familiar with it yeah yeah I, I think that's part of it you know and it's like maybe it, you know maybe there is some justice maybe there is some goodness hidden in the world like you meet like that doctor or whatever the doctor I think is implied to be an invalid or at least his son is invalid. The doctor's balding, which makes me think that maybe he's like, you know, not uh superior. He's not an, a valid necessarily. Well, yeah, and, and I he, think that he picks up on the whole like that he's that he has like he's holding his his dick with the wrong hand. Right, right. Well, and I think not all invalids or sorry, not all valids are equally perfect. Um, right. because obviously Uma Thurman's character is not and um, yeah and, and it's I think his son remember he said he's like my son is not everything he was expected to be um, which is sounding more and more common for these valids um, so right okay so maybe what you're, what you're making the argument for is that the world isn't as bad as maybe we thought it was that people are secretly also kind of identifying with his situation or maybe they, maybe think people can change you know yeah okay I can see that uh, moving forward the like because I, I do think this line is really beautiful and I think it's I think it's worth it for us to walk through it here so he also says of course they say every atom in our bodies was once a part of a star um, which is I don't know it's kind of like a ashes to ashes dust to dust kind of sentiment like we're all yeah. just the same thing you know kind of uh, like a right, great exactly. equalizer when you go like we down to the dna like we all we may all be different but down to the atoms we're all the same right and and but and then the last line maybe i'm not leaving maybe i'm going home does this mean being valid or or achieving some you know this potential that no one else could like see is some maybe the status that he always knew he he could reach like he always felt like that and it's that you know it's not that he's i don't know i'm I'm trying i'm trying to figure out what this means exactly i felt like it meant just that like his atoms were returning to space like he was becoming he was closer to the stars he was closer to where he originally came from okay um that's that's kind of what i was assuming it was 
Maybe I'm not leaving. Maybe I'm going home. It really is. It's beautiful. And I think it's a fitting way to end this movie that is so, uh, has such a great art direction throughout. Definitely. Okay, Joey, I think you know what time it is. It is time for us to go a little deeper, deeper, deeper. Okay, so um, my deeper topic, it's just something that was running through my brain this whole time. Uh, It has to deal with potential. And it's the question, can you give more than 100%? Um, Because you know mathematically like if you go by the de- definition of percents uh you can't really give up more than a hundred percent because that's a hundred percent is the, the maximum it is the all of it um but i think the question is better what is 100 percent um and i i think it's really indefinable when it comes to human potential uh it's what what is it that your uh how can you really determine if you gave it your all right you just have to act and convince yourself really that you've done your best uh because i i don't think it's really something that you can measure but i guess what's your take on that joey can you give more than 100 percent? well i mean um logically no uh-huh. but there there there's all these things that come to mind like first of all um have you ever looked at like world record progressions on like um like the 100 meter dash or like the marathon or anything like the graph of like when the records are broken and what year and stuff. Not necessarily. Not necessarily. It's really interesting because it's like the the drop offs kind of like every, the only mark when the world record is broken. Right. So it's like, sometimes it's like a bunch of flat lines before it's broken. And then like it drops off by like a minute or something, or like it will like a bunch of tiny little drops, like over a, a long period of time. And it's just interesting because it doesn't seem like there's any trend. It doesn't seem like it's ever leveling off. It just keeps going and going and going. And we don't know when it's going to end or if we're even close to it. And maybe it's because like we've gotten better at like taking care of our bodies. Maybe we, like we are better at, you know, facilitating a, a lifestyle that is beneficial or like compatible with that kind of activity. Mm-hmm. But it's, maybe it's also possible that we're like, able to um tap into something that we weren't able to tap into before right like i when i was running in in high school my coach always said when you feel like you have nothing left when you feel like you can't like put another step forward you have at least enough to make it back like you always like you have a reserve that you just have to learn how to tap into and that's like a, a big thing in running is like this mental ability to tap into stuff tap into a hidden reserve that you're holding on to in case of emergencies and you know that's a, that's all in your head that's all like being able to convince your body that you need that right now even though you're not actually in mortal peril right mind so, over matter exactly which this movie makes a big um push for saying that that's you know that is more powerful than we're giving it credit for like like you've been saying right and, and that's i guess what i'm trying to get at here is like can you give like the question can you give more than 100 percent? i don't think it matters because what what how can you reasonably measure what 100 percent is it's more of like a, a mindset a belief that uh if you work hard enough you put enough effort in uh that you that you can achieve the things that you uh that that you want to achieve and the only way that you can find out if that's if you're capable is to actually go and do it which i think is really right. inspirational and even though this movie is is like really dramatic and you know there's not a lot of like you know it's like kind of uh it's like really cool and there's not like a lot of yelling in it it in a way kind of makes me want to run through a brick wall because it's like you can do it 
if you without being Shia LaBeouf and being like, do it, just do it, you know, it, it's, <laughs> it's like a way more calm version of that, but it has the same effect. You're like, oh, right. I just, you know, if I work hard enough, I yeah, can make this I, happen. I can do it. I can do it. I believe yeah, it. Which I, I love. I love that message from this movie. And it's definitely put in a different way. It's like a similar message to plenty of movies, um, but it's done in a really unique way, which I think is what makes definitely. this movie special. And, and yeah, in a way that's like, I, and they make it such a they do such a good job of showing just how insurmountable what Vincent has tried to accomplish is. You know, he's tested every single day for his DNA, and then that last week when they're like the FBI is there, like every day they're testing his urine, they're testing his blood. You know, they're going through every single person trying to figure out like who is this guy, what is going on, and he just takes it all in stride. He's just like he doesn't balk. You know, he does. There's that one point where he's like, we have to get out of here, we have to leave to to uh, Eugene but he's like no we've we've come this far you can do it I believe in you let's do it yeah and uh, good stuff yeah and uh so yeah I, I love that message from it all right what do you got for us I got a whole lot <laughs> <laughs> all right first of all have you heard of CRISPR do you know what CRISPR is um I have heard of CRISPR but all I know about it is it's I'm like... not talking about like the consistency of bacon by the way Ooh. <laughs> um no but i do know what you're talking about um it's something with genetic engineering and i've heard that it's like on the cusp of changing everything about like uh everything that we understand about biology yeah i i i mean i'm not a geneticist or biologist but i kind of have an understanding of it um but i'm not going to go into that i just want like what you need to know is that it's this recent discovery i think it was made in like 2006 or something and it has made genetic engineering 10 times cheaper and like 10 times easier than it ever was before. It's possible now to like get the tools to perform genetic like editing in your garage. Ooh. It's like very cheap. And th- th- what it does is what this does is it brings up all these ethical questions. Like, should we use gene editing on humans? We can use it to like we can use it to cure diseases and stop people from spending most of their lives sick or dying. But we could also use it to make ourselves better than anyone else taller smarter thicker hair fairer skin better eyesight stronger anything you can think of oh, God. like i've even heard about stuff about like uh, creating humans that could survive in space with minimal protection or like on spaceships for long stretches of time because like right now like your bone density drops so much when you're in space unless you exercise just constantly but you know it's possible we could create humans that like output calcium at a ridiculous level and able to survive in spaceships for their entire lives we still don't know like what the but the thing is we, we still don't know what the long-term effects of this is it could have disastrous results especially if you're editing genes that are passed on to children there was actually an article um uh, about this guy and this doctor in china who edited the genes of two baby girls while they're in the womb and he edited genes that were going to be pa- passed on to their children and it's like this unalterable, or not, I guess not unalterable, but like this change that's going to have this ripple effect throughout generations and generations. Um, and it's just a crazy amount of power that we suddenly have in our hands. Yeah, and it's like opening Pandora's box. Like this sounds... It, it's exactly like that. It's just so crazy, the stuff that that like we could... It's, it's just uh, insane. But there's this one quote that I, I don't really remember where I heard it from, but I think about it all the time. And that's, if life were a thing that money could buy, the poor would never live and the rich would never die. And it's about genetic inequality. There's actually this letter that Bill Gates put out um, his year in review in 2018, which I want to quote here. 
Gene editing is generating a ton of optimism for treating and curing diseases, including some that our foundation works on, though we fund work on altering crops and insects, not humans. But the technology could make inequality worse, especially if it is available only for wealthy people. I don't know if you watched that Netflix show, Altered Carbon, but no, that in that show they have the ability, like they have the ability to change bodies. You can like download your consciousness into this thing in your neck, and then you can like alter out bodies. So the rich live for hundreds and hundreds of years, and the poor just die in the streets because they can't afford new bodies. And like it's so. It's such a like a dystopian, disgusting thing almost to think about. It's like so weird to think about how certain people could just live forever just because they have the money to to do that. And that's exactly what gene editing allows would allow some people to do once it's perfected, once it's gone to its logical conclusion. So unless we make some sort of regulations now, unless we like implement this idea that editing humans, editing babies, and make for their your own like sick pleasure is wrong we're going to end up right where gattaca puts us and the thing that this movie doesn't show us is the lives of the invalids besides one they don't show us like what they go through and the level of inequality that they face and discrimination that they face and i want to dive into discrimination a little bit too unless you have some thoughts about bill gates well no i mean there, this is obviously such a big uh like like we said, Pandora's box. Like it changes everything. Um, although just thinking about ways that like humanity could destroy itself, like this is one way. Um, we've oh, we've yeah. <laughs> talked about um, artificial intelligence. Also, can you imagine if like this was our solution? Like we create an AI that's set on destroying us, and we're like, all right, well we'll just make superhumans. <laughs> like get use genetic <laughs> engineering to combat uh, AI. Now that is a yeah. movie I would love to watch. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's. But I, <laughs> that means so sweet. <laughs> It's like we have to create humans that can survive in space because the AI blows up Earth. And like, oh, uh, but I, I mean, that's a whole nother thing we could get into. But before we continue to um, discrimination, I just think it's important that we uh, consider what the uh, like positive effects of this are, uh, because it's not. Obviously, there's so many problems that can be uh, opened up by this, but by getting rid of diseases and people not having to spend their life dying and stuff, I mean, we want that. That's yeah. that's good. Uh, so there's a there's a plan kind of in place. It's like a it's like a theory that we could eliminate malaria by making like um like giving insects like we're giving mosquitoes a certain like gene that kills malaria like inside their their cells. And, and it will be passed on generation to generation until mosquitoes basically eliminate malaria um, themselves. And it's uh, it's pretty crazy, especially since like, I don't know, I don't know if this is exactly true, but I've always heard that like half of humans in existence have died of malaria at some point. Oh. It's like the biggest killer ever. Wow. Well, yeah. And yeah. it's, I, I just think, I mean, that's what makes it a compelling question, right? Because you could be like, oh, we're just going to make humans all like you know, have better hair and, you know, like be able to grow a sick mustache. Like that's, that's not enough. You know, that's the kind of future I want to live in. I'm envisioning a future where everyone just has a perfect mustache, men and women, including the yeah. women. Yes. <laughs> everyone just got this stellar, beautiful, you don't even have to wax it or like Tom like, Sal it, style. Just like, yeah, it curls up on the sides because that's how it grows. Not because you put any product in it and it, <laughs> it's always the perfect length. You don't have to shave or anything. This is the ideal future, but we, <laughs> there's so many things that can go wrong. Um, so, but I, I think it is uh, like very important that we still consider it because uh, it sucks that people die from these diseases, right? So we got to find the yeah. perfect way forward. 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those things that requires a lot of regulation, a lot of, you know, smart people thinking about it and being conscious and being aware. But I mean, that's the thing is, is that a terrorist organization could easily get a hold of this and release some sort of biobomb, um, which is also just terrifying. Anyway, on to half your half your topics. <laughs> Let's talk about discrimination, how it's decimated human society. Hey, good times. <laughs> okay, so I, like I said earlier, I don't think the makers of this movie really had genetics in mind when they were thinking about the story. I think they were really talking about they were trying to find a way to make discrimination based in science, um, but at the same time showing why that's still bad. Like even though it's valid, no, that's a pun. Um, it's still like detrimental to everyone. Throughout this movie, you see how examples of this kind of line of thinking, like this idea that there's a difference between valids and invalids, is uh, causes real problems. For example, like Jerome's burden of proof, right? A burden of, of perfection. Excuse me. He becomes he can't handle it. He can't handle the fact that he became he was second best, so he becomes alcoholic and uh, suicidal. Vincent, who works harder than anyone, is will never be recognized for his talents as he is. Um, and Irene, like a product of her environment, has to live with this sword hanging over her head. Um, but she's also kind of enforcing this line between valid and invalid. And the, the police are just convinced that the only person capable of violence is invalid and refuse to believe that other option exists. And you kind of you can map all of these examples to something like racism or sexism today. Um, the only difference is that discrimination today is based on cognitive bias and discrimination in Gattaca is based in science. But like who benefits from this. Vincent can never be perfect, but his imperfections lead him to his goals and aim and aid him in his deception. That because he is so ADHD, because he is so uh, in, like intent on the details, that makes him such a good navigator and so like a, he's constantly aware of the skin flakes he's leaving behind. You know, the only reason that they even know he's there is because they catch a uh, eyelash, which is like so small. I think of, like I pull out my eyelashes all the time. I don't think about where they go. <laughs> it's like He's got to be aware of all that stuff, and he and he does, and he does, he pulls it out for a long time, and it's because he's of his imperfection. You know, Jerome uh, literally can't live with the fact that he's only second best, and like, even though he, you know, in his genetic makeup, was it was he supposed to be suicidal? Was he supposed to be a dep like depressive? Like, I don't know. But at this point in his life, it doesn't matter. That's what ends his life. And then you, know, Irene, feels like she can't do anything. She feels like the, she feels like. Her whole life, she's living at two in the afternoon. Like if you woke up at two in the afternoon, you know, you're like, well, this day is wasted. I can't do anything today. That's how she feels about her whole <laughs> life. He's like, I'm going to die soon. Why is the point of doing anything? Yeah. And throughout the whole movie, the, the class system is just constantly undercut over and over. And it just proves that invalids are just as capable as, as anyone else. And it brings me to this really interesting study um, that I heard about, which recently has been calling into question whether it's it's true or not but i still think it's kind of an interesting idea they did these studies where they had college students taking tests and they made all the students aware of certain stereotypes like for example women aren't don't score as highly on this test um as men do because it's uh, for whatever reason um you know african americans don't score as highly in this test as as white people do and for whatever reason and, the, and when they were when the people that were that that stereotype applied to uh, when they were made aware of that stereotype, they performed worse. But when they were given tests where the, they explicitly said, uh, this test is immune to stereotypes, you may have heard that women are worse at math statistically, but this test does not 
like factors that in or something. It, this test does the something results to, of this to, test don't reflect that. Yeah, like exactly, exactly. And um, when they were told that, they performed just as well as their counterparts. And um, I mean, they, I think this is it's just an interesting idea. It's just like you, the idea of a stereotype actually affects you. The, uh, like this, you have this cognitive bias of, bias of what if, what if, what if. Well, like, I have to fight against all these other things. I have to fight uphill for this, even if that you know, even that that doesn't necessarily exist. Just the idea that it might exist can really affect your performance. And I think this movie posits this idea in a real and scary way. Are invalids worse than valids because of their genetics, or just because they were told that they were worse? If every day you hear there are people out there that are better than you, eventually you just become to you you become. Um, willing to accept it and you just believe it right especially if it's instilled uh in you from birth you know it's something you grew up with you don't yeah. you even consider the possibility that something else could be true um it's why right. like i um especially right now in the united states like a lot of people are pushing diversity really hard and i and i celebrate diversity obviously diversity is a good thing but we shouldn't overcommit to diversity uh like just because you belong to a certain group of skin color doesn't necessarily define anything about you um yeah and it, exactly and i think that w even though yeah it's like okay we should have more uh representation for certain groups and things yes that's that's the idea is there right but we shouldn't just commit wholly to uh defining people based on like stereotypes even if what we're trying to do is correct you know other perceived stereotypes um it's it's you should really judge people yeah, by the that's, individual that's the thing that's so frustrating about that is that you're still conforming to that stereotype if you think that that's what's what you need to do the purpose of diversity is to get a different perspective to get ideas from an area that you never considered it's not to you know it's not to make yourself look better that's that's if, yeah. do, if that's why you're conforming to diversity then you're you're not going to achieve any of the things you're trying to achieve I agree. It's and it's uh I don't know, you see that a lot from people who lean really far left. It's sometimes it's like you're going overboard uh beyond the like the intended goal of getting different viewpoints and you're going just straight yeah. to, you know, skin color is what matters and then um or nation of origin is what matters or gender is what matters and um you're you've stopped focusing on your initial goals and now you're focused on almost the opposite of what you're trying to do here. You're trying to not judge people by their color, but to do that, to correct your the perceived wrongs, you're doing the same thing and focusing on just yes. those characters, which is uh, you know, not productive. Yeah. Okay. I think we've uh, picked this movie apart. Yes, and I, I was looking forward to talking to you about this movie because it's such a good, it's so good uh, for... Such a good head scratcher. You know, it makes you, it really makes you think. Uh, I just feel like every day it's like a little bit more true. It's a little, there's a little bit more you can pull from. Yeah, which I think is great. Um, okay, but I think we're ready to deliver our ratings. Um, do you want to go first? Yeah, I'll go first. I give this movie a 90% chance of being a great movie. <laughs> I like it. Um, I give this movie one finger prick, three vials of blood drawn straight out of the arm, and a pint of someone else's urine. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, okay, so what's next, Joey? What's next? Uh, the movie we're, we're doing next is uh, Whiplash. Yes, and I've heard a lot about Whiplash. I'm really excited about watching this movie, finally. Uh, I've heard so many good things, uh, and I can't wait to talk to you about it. 
Yeah, me either. Okay, so that does it for our episode on Gattaca for Affable Chat. I'm Benjamin. And I'm Joey. Uh, what do I say? See you next time? <laughs> <laughs> That's good enough. <laughs> All right, see ya. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Affable Chat. We're available on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review. We would really appreciate it. If you have a question, comment, or want to request something for us to talk about, you can reach us at our Twitter account, at AffableChat, or our email, affablechat at gmail.com. Once again, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Thank you.